Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Hello, Henry. Good afternoon. How are you today? Yeah, I'm loving life. I have a simple question and then a more difficult question. The simple question is, earlier you were talking about a uh, watering the foundation um, I have an automatic system, and I've noticed that the drip foundation is absolutely right up against the foundation. And I always understood that drip foundation or drip systems need to be about a 12 inches, 18 inches off the foundation. Is that a myth, or is it true, and should I move it or leave it where it is? That is true. It should be 12 to 18 inches away because when it's right up on the foundation – uh, water can start running on the foundation and actually start washing some of the soil. And so, yes, you want to keep it 12 to 18 inches away. So it'd be worth going ahead and uh, bring somebody in to uh, move that. Okay. Uh, yes. My second question, which is a very harder one for me, um, I have a uh, fireplace insert gas logs on the inside and a brick masonry um, uh, chimney. And every time it rains heavily, very much like it did over the last weekend, uh, after about 45 minutes of rain, that chimney starts to leak, and then water is coming down the inside and landing on the top of that insert. Is there something that, um, um, do I have defective brick, defective mortar, or is there a way that that mortar can be treated to stop the leaks, or do I have to have somebody take all the brick down and start over? Oh, no. No, you don't need to take the brick down. It's, it's more than likely a uh, you just need to put a a spray on the brick that a sealer so that it doesn't allow the moisture to pass through it. Uh, you probably got the old Mexican brick that's very porous and moisture goes through it pretty easily. And if you look at the very top of the fireplace, there's probably mortar up there that's all cracked up. You may have to replace that mortar and put a sealer up there. And on my own. I actually put a, uh, a steel chimney cap on it to make sure I didn't have that issue happen again. So, but that, yeah, that'll take care of it for you. Leah, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hi, Jim. I've got a plumbing problem, I think. Um, there's water coming through the skylight into the first floor. I think it's coming from the tub above it, my daughter's tub, and the water is pouring through the skylight. On the first floor. How, okay. When she when, was taking a bath or shower. Uh, okay. So that so it's only when she's taking a bath or shower that it's happening? Correct. And we have a new roof. So the roof is new, and it's only when she's taking a bath or shower. Not when the toilet's flushing, not when the sink is on. It seems to be coming from the tub. Okay. Well, if it's coming from the tub, it... it Here's what I want you to try, because this will narrow it down so you know what needs to be fixed. Does it leak when she's filling the tub or only when she's draining it? Hmm. And and here's how you're going to tell. Just put the plug in, fill the t- and, and start filling the tub. See if you got water coming out. And if you don't, just stop the filling. Pull the tub drain and let it drain and see if you've got water coming out. If there is... It's probably just in the waste and overflow, and hopefully there's an access to it on the back side of the tub. If not, they may have to cut some sheetrock 
to gain access and put it back together. There's a slip joint on the back side of it that are notorious for coming apart. Oh. So if it's been going on for a while, I mean, now this point of light, if it's been going on for a while, is there a chance I've got mold in that wall now? Because if we're seeing it come through the light, that means it's been building up over time. Well, no, it doesn't. It doesn't mean it's been building up. I mean, how much water are you getting coming through? Well, it was kind of like raining. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm I'm thinking that, and that's why I'm thinking it's going to be the the waste and overflow has come apart. Uh, if it was just a, a little bit of a drip, then I would say, yeah, it's probably been something going on for a while and built up. But if it's literally coming through like that, it's something that yeah. probably just pulled apart and is dumping a vast amount of water all at once. And so, now nah, you probably don't need to worry about mold or any of that stuff. Once the water supply is taken care of, it dries out, you'll be fine. And who can I get to take care of that? I got to get a plumber out there? Any plumber should be able to take care of that for you. If you want to call my company, Due West, uh, we can take care of it. Fabulous. Great. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Take care. This is a follow-up from an email last week, and it comes from Conrad. I want to thank you for timely answering my question about how to resolve my foundation issues. And this is kind of a follow-up also to one of the first questions we had today on the show. Now I want to let you know that since the recent rainfall that we have been having, the issues that I contacted the foundation company about are no longer issues. The heavy rainfall has fixed the problems with no interior doors. or I'm sorry, with two interior doors. One is a coat closet door that wouldn't close because it was rubbing the door frame. Now I can close this door. Next was a door to a garden room that couldn't be opened at all. Now this door opens and closes without any issues. My question to you is, do you think that with all of the recent rain we've been having, that the issues with these doors will not happen again unless we get another severe drought? Good question. Uh, yes, it will happen again once it starts drying out. you got to remember, we're getting a lot of rain right now. We're all sick of the rain. But it is soaking deep down in the soils, expanding the soils, and keeping us from having issues. Excuse me, I had to cough there real quick. Okay, so continuing on here, this past spring and summer has put my foundation under undue stress because of the drought, and this rain may be the answer. There would be no way that I could water my yard and foundation like the recent rainfall to achieve what the rainfall has done to remedy my foundation issues. Well, see, that's that's where you're wrong. That's the reason I tell you all the time, water your foundation. Forget about the grass. The grass will come back when it starts raining. But put soaker hoses around the foundation. Give your soil around the foundation a little moisture every single day, and you're going to minimize the foundation movement. Okay, considering the recent drought, I haven't had any issues with my foundation for four years. Now the rain has been my answer for now. What can I do to maintain my current conditions so that these doors continue to work properly? I hope that I haven't rambled on and confused you with my writing. Maybe the foundation 
repair company is not the real culprit. Maybe it's just the weather and some additional things that I need to do to maintain my current foundation status. Conrad. Conrad, you're 100% right. Foundation problems are caused because our soils, when they dry out, they shrink. When they get wet, they expand, but not quite as much as they were. And after years of going through those cycles, you get settlement. And usually it's on the outside edges of the foundation. Well, if you have the outside underpinned and taken care of, the interior is still sitting on the moving soils. Because when you pick the outside up, you've now created a void between the soil and the foundation. You want to leave that void there because as the soils move up and down, you don't want it moving the foundation. But the interior of the home, unless you put interior piers and picked it up, it's still sitting on the moving soil. And when we get these severe droughts or you get big trees around the house, things like that, your interior will start to move. So, and it sounds like that's what was happening with your home. This is why you, you hear me talk to you all the time about root barriers and watering the foundation. Root barriers, if you have trees around the foundation that were put in when the house was built or after. If the tree is older than the home, you don't want to root barrier it because the soil was used to that tree taking moisture out of it. If you root barrier a really old tree, older within the foundation, the soil will actually start taking on moisture and raise higher than when the house was built. So any tree that is the age of the home or newer, you can root barrier. Watering is to keep the soils expanded. And you need to water year-round because in the winter months, you're getting the soil ready for next summer. And we're kind of starting to get into that time period right now. We get we got a lot of rain. You're seeing that it's correcting problems. So, yes, if it corrected your problems, start watering. Keep the soils expanded. Does that mean it won't move at all? No, you're still subject to some movement. But it's, it's going to minimize the movement and buy you years and years of not having to worry about foundation repair issues. And if you go to our website, THIPro.com, I actually have a video there showing you how to install a do-it-yourself watering system and get it set up so that you don't have to worry about your foundation all the time. One little side note, though. If you have trees around your home and you start watering the foundation without putting in root barriers, you're going to invite tree roots to come towards your home and you will again have foundation problems. Root barriers and watering systems are both preventative maintenance. They are not cures. Now, if you have just a minor foundation problem, yes, watering will take care of it, and so will root barriers. But once it gets to the point where you know it's moved, like say an inch and a half or more, you're beyond what the root barriers and watering systems are going to do. Will it correct it some? Yes. But will it correct it all the way? No. The sooner you address these issues, the better off you'll be. Brent in Mesquite, how can I help you? How you doing, sir? Can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. I've got a foundation question. It's just on the corners, though. Uh, I've got a house that I bought in 97. The house was built in 95. It does have a post-tension slab. But at the 
corners of the foundation where the, you know what I'm talking about, the corners, right? Yep. Well, the, the concrete itself has broken away probably, uh, the worst one I would say is maybe two inches back. So, like, just the corner of the concrete's gone. Yeah. Uh, there's no steel exposed. And basically the brick ledge, you know, right below the bricks is where it's mostly gone. But the bricks don't seem to be any worse from the wear for it. Is that a problem that I need to worry about, or is that just a cosmetic issue? Uh, it's really just a cosmetic issue. Uh, and, and we were talking about this a little earlier. You, those cracks will happen a lot of times six to nine inches back, and that whole corner piece will come off. But it can be just, if you've got the piece, it can be epoxied back on and be just fine. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't have the pieces. Is there a way to fix that and make it where it won't do that again? Well, if you don't have the pieces, you'd have to literally build it up with a uh, mortar or concrete on the corner. And you mentioned that the worst one is two inches. Truthfully, uh, maybe, maybe two it, to three at the most. Yeah. I, I'd have to... I haven't actually measured it, you know. Yeah. They've been gone for years, and I haven't yeah. seen any issue. I just didn't know if I was going to have a long-term issue or not. You're not. If it was my house, I would totally forget about it and not worry about it. Okay. When it, uh, If I ever decide to sell it, should I do something prior to selling it? No. Okay. Cause so it's it's strictly, just, it, it is strictly a cosmetic issue. Uh, it's not a, a any type of structural or, or problems li- along those lines. All right. I appreciate it, sir. You, you bet. Take care, Brent. Let's head out to Pearland. And Joshua, how are you today? I'm doing fine. Thank you, sir. Um, got a couple questions. We're looking at building a house pretty soon, still in the planning stages and whatnot. And I've been asking a lot of questions. I, I do construction myself but um i was wondering about the metal roofing uh someone told me it produces a lot of heat but i've heard that they they do decking and stuff underneath it now and and uh, i was just wondering uh uh, longevity and and uh also uh how how well would it insulate and possibly even if i did like a foam underneath you know like a spray foam Uh is it a good idea or bad idea i love metal roofs I'm sitting in my little broadcast trailer right now, and I've got a metal roof on it. Um, You're going to find that a metal roof, once you put it on, you're pretty much done. Uh, Where shingles, as they age, they don't look so good. Metal roofs, they always stay looking good. Now, are there some things that can happen with a metal roof? You bet. If you've got uh, a hailstorm or something, it can get dinged up. But uh, that's that's let's face it in our area here that's pretty rare, and right. it would it would take a large hailstone to yeah. to mess up a metal roof compared to a shingle roof. Uh, right. They do cost quite a bit more mm-hmm. than a shingle roof, but that's because they last so much longer. Uh, and then the other thing that you know you asked about was the energy efficiency. A metal roof is not going to do you any worse heat-wise than a shingle roof does. And yes, typically underneath the metal roof, you're going to put plywood nowadays, so that helps. But you can also put then a radiant barrier, uh, and you're going to virtually eliminate the issues that you're talking about with any heat. So 
uh, the plywood underneath with the radiant barrier or like a spray-on radiant barrier? I, I wouldn't use a spray-on. If, you, if you're going to put new plywood down, put the plywood that's got the radiant barrier okay. on it. Or use a foil-type barrier. But, yeah, don't. Right. I wouldn't go with the spray. Okay. Uh, another question is about the foam insulation in the walls. Uh, someone was telling me about it creating a lot of moisture or not breathing. Is that still the case? from when they started or or what? Yes, it, it is yes, still it is. the case. And what I recommend to people all the time if, is to use foam in the walls and fiberglass in the attic because that allows the house to still breathe, but you get the highest R value, the highest insulating values of the home because foam insulation inch for inch has a much higher insulating value than fiberglass does. Uh-huh. So by, by putting it in the walls where you've got limited space you get the higher r value and in the attic i mean whether it's an r40 that's done with foam or an r40 done with insulation it's still just an r40 okay so you know you don't have to worry about being limited that way but the house is still breathable right so what about under the metal roof if we did that unnecessary especially with radiant barrier put it put it on the attic floor Okay, okay. Okay, I appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. Take care, Joshua. Bye. And really, that's for anybody building a new home. That's the way I would do it. Uh, You know, people say, oh, well, I'm going to encapsulate the house. That's where you start having the mold issues and, and things like that. And does every house have that? No. But you have a much higher chance. So why take the risk? You're not, and the the fiberglass in the attic is going to be much, much less expensive than going with the foam up there. Donnie, this is Jim. How can I help you? I was calling about the dehumidifiers. I listened yes. to your show last week, and you was talking about them. And I was uh, live in the Dallas area, but how much heat is that going to put into the room? And on the show you had in Dallas, you was talking about the condensation dripping from the air conditioner into the flower bed. If I was to put run this out into a flower bed, the continuous drain, would that yeah. be the same problem? If you left it there for long periods, yes. And and just for everybody listening, what we're talking about is if you have an air conditioner that's dripping outside, it can cause problems as far as oversaturating the soil with moisture there. And eventually, it'll cause that section to heave, and if it's left go long enough, it'll oversaturate it and cause it to turn to mush and drop down. Typically, with a dehumidifier, I tell people run it into like a shower or something like that uh, in order to drain it out through the regular drain system. Okay, how much heat is that going to put into the room whenever it's uh, uh, being used? You, You wouldn't even notice it. Okay. And the sound is very quiet? Uh, Well, obviously, depending on the dehumidifier, but in most cases, yes. Okay. All right. Thank you for your help. You bet. Take care. Uh Bye-bye. Bye. And what what dehumidifiers are used for is, you know, to to keep the humidity levels down. If you got a, like a weekend house that you don't necessarily want to keep the air conditioner running all the time, you can put a dehumidifier in there and keep the humidity levels low so that your 
belongings don't start getting that musty smell. Um, I still recommend keeping the air conditioner on to a degree, but you don't necessarily have to keep it as low. Jared, welcome to Texas Hi. Home Improvement. Hey, how you doing today? So I have a question Good. about a garage floor. So I uh, I have a cement floor in my garage, but it's not painted or anything. And I was wanted to know how difficult it is to uh, polish that cement floor. Like, do you have to rent a grinder and then you grind the cement floor and that's how it's polished? Or is that a really complicated process or how does that work? No, it's not a complicated process. Um, if you're wanting to have a polished floor that way, yes, you would rent a floor grinder to grind it down smooth. And if you grind through the 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 cream top, which is you know what what we always see is just the cream of the concrete brought up to the top, you'll get down to where there's this rock layer, and it's only you know a, not even a quarter inch down. It's just right underneath the surface. You'll get down to the rocks that's in the concrete. And those will grind down nice and smooth. And it really actually is a gorgeous floor when it's done that way. But you're going you're gonna to start with coarse stones. Then you go to finer, finer. And then you literally have to buff it. And you can put a sealer on it to give it a nice finish. Okay. And where, what kind of like rental store here in Houston would have something like that that I could rent? Oh, almost any of them. Uh, South Belt. Uh, you know, uh, really any any big rental store will have the floor grinders. Even even some of the Home Depot stores have the floor grinders available. Okay. And how long of a process does that usually take? I mean, I just have a small two-car garage. I mean, is that going to be a whole weekend process or, you know, just a whole day of grinding or... Uh, more than likely, it's gonna it you you're gonna work on it at, at least one weekend. Okay. Well, great. Now, because for, your uh, your edges your edges are gonna be where it's gonna be tougher. Uh, okay. You're gonna find it would be much easier if you wanted to go with epoxy finish on the floor, but uh, it it really does give it a nice, gorgeous look when you grind them down that way. Cool. All right. Thanks very much. You bet. Bye bye. Let's head to Kathy in Houston. How are you today? Good, sir. I have a quick question for you. My bedroom door is a hollow core door. It faces the living room. I unfortunately get up and go to work at 3 o'clock in the morning, so I go to bed early at night. But the rest of the family wants to sit in the living room and watch TV. keeps me awake. And I understand there's some expanding foam I could possibly squirt in the door, but I also know that some of that foam would literally blow the door apart. So yes. do you have any options or ideas? Well, you really won't have the option of spraying foam in the door because inside a hollow core door is typically cardboard that is yeah, in a waffle type. Cardboard. Yep, it's in a wa waffle pattern, so it, it's not going to let the foam spread out. Right. Uh, you're more than likely, if you're wanting to put a solid door on there to help with sound, you're going to have to install a new door. Okay. I didn't know if you had some trick or, or anything up your sleeve, but I understand yeah. a, a solid door. Now, I will tell you one thing. If you don't want to put in a different door that you could do that will actually help, they make sound blankets. And on the nights that you need to sleep, you could actually put hang that sound blanket over the door opening after the door is closed, and it will make a heck of a difference. Okay. But you're going to... 
you're going to still get a lot of sound through the walls themselves. Well, and that's the one thing I did do in building this house. I did insulate that wall. Oh, uh, my if, builder if, suggested insulating the wall since it backed up to the living room. So I if did you do that, did that, it, change that door out to a solid core door, and you'll you'll be much happier. Okay, thank you. You bet. And you know, the, soundproofing is is one of those things that, like she did, she thought about it early on. It can make a huge difference on uh, what you have to do later on. Hello, Bill. How are you, sir? Doing just fine. How are you today? Uh, wet. I'm in the market for <laughs> re- replacing flooring. Uh, I have okay. carpet, I have stone, I have had wood. But I want to ask about linoleum, sheets or planks. you have any yeah. do's and don'ts or don't use linoleum anymore? Oh, no. I, I love linoleum. I think it's underused. Uh, it holds up well. When you want to change it out, it's easy to change out, and you got so many choices. Now, you, you mentioned the difference between the, the rolled-out and the planks. What are you going to put right. it on? Uh, first floor. Uh, concrete. Okay. First floor, if it's going to be concrete, you can go with either one. Go with what looks best. Uh, you know, if you want the wood look, they got wood planks in the linoleum. They've got square tiles that can go with a... Um, a ceramic tile look. They got several different styles to choose from. What you're going to find is if you go to the rolls of linoleum, it looks less expensive. It it does show that it's a linoleum, and uh, but it's waterproof better for a second floor bathroom, for instance. You get water on it, you don't have to worry about it going through down to the first floor. So it really just depends on the looks that you want. But on a first floor, I typically would go with the heavier duty, you know, plank or, or tile type rather than going with uh, the roll. Okay. And with so that, I got to let you go because the, the music means right. I am completely out of time. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com. 